Are dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top-notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state-of-the-art equipment and techniques. Rogerstein Crash Repairs saved my car. It looks brand new. Fast, friendly and reliable. I wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle. Don't let accidents slow you down. Visit Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide at 14 Penner Avenue, Glind for quality service you can count on. And here's a special offer just for our listeners. Mention this podcast and receive a $100 discount on your repair. Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair. Previously, Previously. on the Game On Podcast. I can tell you I don't know if many people know this, but I can tell you that the day that the crows were the day the crows were formed, or the day, and then their first training session, you know, uh, at Footy Park, I drove there and just, you know, went behind a pillar somewhere it was, and just it watched was them tough. train for five minutes. And I'm thinking, now I was pretty cooked, so I'm, I'm, I think they made a right decision. No, I, no, I disagree with you there. Actually, I'll go to bat on that one. There were one thing about the only decent uh, concession the Crows had with their first year, because their concessions overall are the worst by any side by a long way, but they had 52 players. Now, I'll go as far, yeah, of course your body wasn't going to get you through the whole year, but I'll say if Michael Ash had been picked, who knows whether that would have been the extra game uh, to get the Crows in the finals. Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. South Australia's destination for everything sports. Local, national and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis, cricket and any other sports played in this wide world. And we're going to have a blast doing it. So sit back, relax, and let's do this thing. Welcome to Game On. Malcolm, that was Michael Ash from our previous episode, uh, giving his thoughts on why he you know, didn't quite make the Crows list. Yeah, as I said, I've, I've still, I'm still very firm that he should have been. So we will never know. We won't, and and it was great for him to uh, to give us his time as well. Yeah, no, fantastic as always, Ashy. Around the grounds. And to kick us off today, Malcolm, um, we're gonna. Have a little bit of a look at uh, the AFLW finals, uh, a little bit of the World Cup roundup, uh, and some tennis as well. But to kick us off today, mate, the West End Redbacks. Look, bitterly disappointing yet again. But my bit is, where's this actual planning? You look at the South Australian side, and we consistently just pick leftovers from the other states. Yeah, where is? 
I want to go right back to when we won the Shield in under Ian Chapel, 77-78. Hooks and Darling were picked as two young kids then, then, as, then as even earlier. Yes. So I'm going back. They were earmarked yep. as, as players for the future. Let's earmark a couple of kids and go with them. Go with Tom Kelly. Tom Kelly has a ridiculous amount of ability. Play him. Let's go with a couple of young South Australian kids. Now, Drew, too, staggeringly not picked at the start of the year, now comes in and bats three. Let's get him in the side and bat him five or six, you know, where the kids were previously groomed, not thrown in the deep end at three. Yep. Okay, he's not a kid, he's 26, but no. in cricket terms, there he's still. Let's, you know, people sort of think, let's remember, Michael Hussey was older than that when he was first picked for Australia. Let's go with a couple of those guys and leave them. And, you know, look, Grant, okay, he probably bowled to a bit loosely first game. I think he was a bit trying too hard to bowl wicket balls instead of building pressure. Mm -hmm. But he gets dropped and we play Buckingham from Victoria, plays a couple of second 11s games, bang, he plays. Now, those guys haven't forced their selection. Cardner comes over, four-year contract from WA, Hadn't forced his selection in district cricket. Play, and we, we all know the, the itinerary is hard and all that nowadays. Yep. But let's play some kids and stick with them. Let's see see and try and build something for three years' time and see if we can get an Australian player out of it. It would be fantastic. Uh, read a report today from Fox Sport that you know South Australia is quickly becoming irre- irrelevant within cricket terms. And it's hard and to it's argue sad. with that. It's yeah, sad. Look, as a, one of the rare lunatics who goes to shield games, I very rarely miss going to a Shield game. It's bloody hard. It's hard work supporting. The, supporting Finishing bottom four out of the last five seasons oh. doesn't help. I mean, confidence breed confidence. And as you said, there has to be some sort of meaningful change now because you just can't keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And if that means you've got to blood some young ones, then blood them. Look, and there's there's mixed thoughts on the, the proposed new bit with the restructure and a first and second division. Does that mean that the state guys are going to have to lead clubs to go to if their club goes down. So there's there's mixed feelings on that, but the way we're going, we've got to try something. So at least that's trying something. But yeah, I, I've just been I have been really disappointed with the team's pick this year. Sure. Confidence breeds confidence and you know, you've got to show some confidence in some of these young lads. You've also got to show some confidence in some of the more established, but I think you've just got to get that mix right. And at the moment it just seems so far off. It uh, it's it's quite hard to watch. If we're going to go down, let's go down with a few South Australians in the side. Absolutely. Uh, go the Live Golf. Yeah, Live Golf. Uh, we mentioned in last week's episode that we thought there might be an announcement and sure enough, Pete Malinowskis comes out again with the goods and uh, the Grange Golf Club has secured the event for April 2023. Interesting there with Greg Norman. You know, I wonder how much they fed on the fact that his inaugural championship win was at Grange. Whether that, and uh, I know Mally well enough that he would have done his homework, mm-hmm. um, having worked under him. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's another big tick. I mean, so you, far. you look at the events that we've secured in the last six months. We we brought back the Adelaide Five Hundred. We have got the Magic Round or the AFL um, um, Round here in SA, and now we've got the golf. Uh, things are starting to move, which is great. Yeah, look, and people on the outside are going to argue you're spending too much money on sport. Look, but this is going to get money back into the hospitality game where yep. they've had two years of COVID. Desperately needed hotels full 
etc. Yep. Some life back into Adelaide. Absolutely. I know we shouldn't compare ourselves to Melbourne, but you, you think of Melbourne through the late 80s, early 90s, you know, they secured every event under the sun, sun and it sort of really helped their economy along and also obviously attracting more and more sporting events as well. Oh, look, and you think of the, the magic round with the game potentially in the Barossa and, you know, how much p- potential tourism and all that. I think it's huge and I personally big ticks and let's see how it goes. Looks like tickets at the moment, they uh, have sold out and they keep sort of adding a little bit more and a little bit more, which is really, really good. I mean, it does put a lot of eyes on SA and, and, and obviously having those top, top players playing here in a team's event, which is slightly unique as well. Yeah. It's fantastic. I, I think it's great. Mate, uh, we'll move on. AFLW, uh, the Crows have secured another prelim. Look, they are the, the one team, the one South Australian team who's consistent. Yes. Um, you know... Randall comes back, you know, controversial admission last week. Absolutely. Because um, there was arguments about a Collingwood girl, girl who, who there was similar accusations made. Yep. So it seemed to be a little bit of a strange one with Chelsea with that. And Chelsea's a very intelligent lady too. She's She spoke eloquently as always, but certainly made her point that she didn't agree with the decision. And yep. she's been concussed a few times. So, yeah, look, you can't argue with anyone being cautious with concussion, but yes. she passed the test to start with. So it was, it was all quite bewildering. I thought that that's what the test is for, yeah. and, and if she passed it, then, then you know, I know that they need to keep an eye on it. You're right, exactly right. Uh, we'll rewind a little bit, mate. Uh, only Oval, uh, Saturday afternoon, in a freak storm that oh. just came through Adelaide. It was crazy. Ironically, I'm, uh, I, left, I left home to go to Paynham, and I'm driving, obviously, very close Yep, where we are now, basically. Yes, yes. And turned the corner into Ashbrook, and a tree had come across Ashbrook. I will say it's the best bit of driving I've ever done in my life. The three point turn I had to do to get out. Yes, it was about a hundred points. Yes. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking this is going to go down real well on the home front if I'm going to have to park my car and leave it and ring the other half to come get me. So I did manage to get out, but yeah, it was freakish. I was actually terrified driving. I stuck my head out of the back door when I heard it oh. ro- rolling through and I couldn't see the back fence. And, oh. and uh, from where I am right now, it's probably only about seven or eight metres away, so it's not huge. Um, fantastic win, obviously, with the delays uh, throughout the game. Yeah. Really seemed to get off to a good start and uh, and, and really hammered home that uh, they are still around the mark. But Brisbane this weekend, mate, at Metro. Oh, we're the underdogs. But, you know, look, if obviously Chelsea comes back, there's experience, yeah, Hatchard, uh, and that is, a, is a, obviously the key player as well. Um, yeah, let's see how they go. Can they defy the odds and make another final? Look, the head says no, yeah. the heart says yes. Yep. So I'm think I'm I'm with you on that one as well. All right, mate, we're going to take a quick break and uh, and we'll have a, a little bit of a look at um, some uh, World Cup cricket uh, round off and some t- and some tennis after the break, mate. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Now, Pete, NFL footy. Yeah, um, NFL footy is obviously quite big over in the States and is becoming bigger and bigger here in, in Australia. But I sort of took a little bit of a unique view on this week, one of this week's games, which is uh, Seahawks and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They played over in Germany, and it sort of got me thinking about the AFL and how they've tried to expand the brand a little bit. 
Um, obviously, Port Adelaide going over to China. A uh, couple of games in New Zealand. Um, you know, are these games still novelty value, or do they have value for um, promoting the game? Well, look, I'll go into bat for Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide were making a profit out of going to China in three years, where that was, you know, I spoke quite at length to to Keith Thomas about it, where they were projecting making real good serious coin in you know. In, up yep. to five to ten years yep. out of it. So where people bag Port Adelaide for it, I actually think it was brilliant. It was unique, um, totally different market, some re- you know wealthy businessmen. Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, with what then happened with COVID and all that, they were just very unlucky. Um, I certainly wouldn't write it off for something in the future. I give uh, Port a big thumbs up on that oh. one as well. Uh, tapping into markets that they uh, no one has ever thought of, really, as far as Aussie rules football yeah. goes. Um, obviously, trying to attract sponsorship dollars, which you know helps clubs tick along, and oh. each club needs as much help as they can get from time to time. And Port were in a bit of a dicey stage there, so thumbs up for them for trying something a bit different. Oh, look, let's so eighteen teams, soon to be nineteen. There aren't enough businesses in Australia mm-hmm. going that well to be able to sponsor yep. to the extent, and it is, it's a multi-million dollar industry. It's not a game. Yep. It's a, you know, it's an industry. So I hat, hats off, personally. So we've had games in England. We've had games in New Zealand. Um, do we do we try somewhere else in Europe? It'd or America? America's a... You know, you'd think that's probably the logical one. Mm-hmm. I dare say they'll be looking at their ratings of games overseas and and trying to work out which countries to go from there. So yep. I think it's a distinct possibility still. be fantastic if we could get something over in America, even if it's a, um Australian Island game, um, you know, just to promote that part of the game. Who knows? Uh, very big in the US, uh, there's a lot of leagues mm. that, that play and a lot of ex-Australians uh, uh, that are running those leagues and actually doing pretty well. Oh, people don't have any idea how much... Aussie rules football, yep. not AFL. Yes, Aussie rules football is played overseas. Yes, unless you, it's most countries of the world. Yep, I spent two years over in America, took a footy with me, and it was a novelty for a little bit, and then all of a sudden, everyone wanted to have a kick, a kick oh, and a catch, which was great. Yeah, my brother-in-law Edward, he captain a tide in England. Steve Arthur Daly, who listens, he's still playing over in England, and yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a big game. It is. Can't wait to see uh, what the AFL comes up with next. Mate, we move on to World Cup. We sat here last week. We were almost calling it ball by ball at one stage there. And, um, wow, uh, England really got a hold of uh, uh, India in the end. Yeah, certainly they just dominated that semi. And, you know, to get them none down was quite incredible. Then the, the final, Pakistan didn't make enough, but at least their bowling made it competitive. And yet again, Stokes in a final, you know, whatever he was probably paying to... Which maybe we shouldn't be talking about betting at the moment. No, but uh, yeah, man of the match, Stokes final comes through yet again. Uh, England seemed to be on a bit of another planet on the uh, in the semi, and then you know really did go on with it in the final as well, and uh, that sort of leads us into a little bit of the um, uh, 50, 50 over comp starting here in Adelaide uh, this week. Yes, and yeah, Glenn Maxwell, uh, oh, yeah, crazy. Breaks his leg, uh, support, playing chasey uh, in someone's backyard, uh, not drinking. Yeah, righto. Next question. Yeah, yeah. We'll 
leave it at that. We will. Uh, tennis Fed Cup, mate. Yeah, the Fed Cup, uh, renamed to the Billie Jean Cup. Um, most people will know it still as the Fed Cup, but uh, Australia playing in this event, we actually made the final. A um, little bit of a surprise along the way. Um, we had a very tough uh, semi-final encounter against England. Uh, got over the line there in the doubles. Uh, Sam Stoza and I think Storm Sanders uh, really came through clutch uh, and unfortunately just uh, didn't quite get the chocolates in the final, but very, very, very good effort for the uh, the girls as well. And and that probably leads me into, you know, um, you know the state of Australian tennis at the moment seems to be going through a little bit of a renaissance. Yeah, a little bit of a revival. There's, you know, as we spoke about, Dimino with his win last week yes. and, you know, there's a few more players around the mark. It, it, it's, a, it's a slow but sort of revival and especially probably even more so we've got to remember we lost Ash Barty yeah. where you know I think probably that would have continued the impetus more and more in that so yeah it's encouraging encouraging uh four a four in the men's game we've got a lot of players ranked between say 20 ish and around about 120 so good mix in there and the women seem to be sort of in that mix as well so you're right slow, slow burn but we're we're certainly yeah. on the right track. Uh, a bit of a side note on that one uh, today, mate. Uh, Novak Djokovic has uh, applied for a visa to Australia. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be granted or has been granted. Has, has been. Uh, so good for the game. Yeah. I'm, I'm still mixed. 50-50 on it yeah, as well. I'm mixed. I'm, look, I'm still, personally, I'm, I admit I'm still very much in... Over a vaccination, but that's another topic. It is indeed. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, we want the best players here, but yeah. we also need to follow the rules as well. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a mi- mixed um, coin on that one, oh, I suppose. And let's remember that his fun and games trying to get in last year. Like, it, he, it wasn't yeah. only that a fact that he wasn't vaccinated, it was his whole way of doing it. I think a lot of... I thought, I thought it was pretty... Uh, Silly probably yep. is one part of it. I think a lot of people it's would bizarre. have would have just gone, you know, what if he's not vaccinated and not let in, that's fine. But yeah, the the antics behind yeah. it, and then obviously almost the international uh, incident that, yeah. that came from it uh, certainly highlighted it a little bit. But look, I'm glad that we've all moved on now, and um, and we'll see what happens in January. All right, mate, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, When we come back, five good minutes in the clubhouse. And today's special guest, John Wynn from the Nord, uh, sorry, West Perth Footy Club and also the Nord Footy Club. Jonathan Francis Wynn, 2 8, great man. Has there ever been anything that has lightened up your day? Whether it was someone who complimented you or maybe you got a promotion at work, these all make you feel happiness. But if you're looking for more, more to lighten up your day, then you should book our mobile coffee service. We are always dedicated to one thing, service. We appeal to all sorts of people, from commuters on their way to work or our regular workplace coffee stops. And best of all, we visit you. Whether it's our top quality and aromatic coffee or our mouth-watering selection of cakes and food, there will always be something for you to enjoy. Servicing Adelaide's metro area. Why not book in a stop today? Find us on Facebook and send us a message. Tour Coffee and Catering. We deliver your daily caffeine fix. Welcome back to the Game On Podcast. Five 
five good minutes in the clubhouse. And welcome to Game On's Five Good Minutes in the Clubhouse today. Uh, John Wynn from the uh, Nord Football Club, uh, previously from the West Perth uh, Club as well. Um, WA Hall of Famer, South Australian Hall of Famer, West Perth Premiership player, and of course, coming over here to the mighty Redlegs, uh, Premiership player in 75 as captain and 78, and 82 as an assistant coach, Malcolm. Yeah, welcome, Winnie. How are you? How are you, well, great thanks, man? Malcolm. All good? Yes, Jonathan Francis win. Uh, now, yeah. Winnie, we want let's start with uh, with Western Australia and a man who's had a uh, huge influence on on uh, you and not only your footy, your life. Because I actually want to expand a, a little bit on this as well. Let's go with Polly Farmer to start with. Uh, Two eight. Yep. Expand. Um, yep. Well, expand. Well, Paul uh, was playing football in fifty six, fifty seven. And I would have been about nine or ten at the time, and it was uh, he was just a, um, a fabulous athlete at the time, a legend in West Australian football, and it was God bless Mummy and Daddy and God bless Polly, and uh, he was just held in such high esteem, and when he went to Geelong, uh, half of Perth finished up becoming Geelong supporters, and I guess a lot of people still are today because of because uh, when he went there. And it was um, was it was a great uh, great experience after uh, playing a couple of years of senior football, and he turned out to be our our coach. So it's um, look a lot of that stuff still goes on today. I think where the guys who are ahead of you, who you uh, who you admire, and your who are your idols as a kid growing up, and uh, there's been a few fortunate kids around that have managed to play with them, and uh, I was I was one of them, and uh, it's just just like his. His impact on on club on, on the club, uh, such a, a man with humility. Uh, he was never really he's never a self promoter. I said to him one day, Paul, you never talk about yourself. He said, I leave it up to others. So uh, it was just um, just a, a very humble, beautiful man. And John, you've maintained a relationship with Polly right through to the end of Polly's life. And Polly suffered from Alzheimer's. Um, go. Look, my mum's just passed away from it. My mum had no idea who anyone was for about the last three to five years, and it was just terrific. But, yeah, share your experiences with that side of things with Polly, mate. Oh, when I came back to uh, Western Australia um, after living in Adelaide for some 14 years, um, I just picked up the th- with all my old teammates and and and, and Marl and the kids. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, so when I went to South Australia, um, the kids were all young. They were all in their uh, you know, nine and ten. And when I come back, they're all they're all teenagers. They're all growing up. And we just finished up. Uh, you know, both our families got together, go out. It's just uh, just a great. had a great philosophy on life, um, and had a great sense of humour. Wonderful sense of humour. I'd get in the car every morning. We'd pick him up, and he'd say, "Have you said sorry this morning, John?" Because that was what uh, John Howard was about. He's just his, uh, his his outlook. You know, he is with the Aboriginals. He said they've been here for twenty thousand years. You just can't expect them to change in two hundred. And it was just uh, his his way of life. His his actual thinking. He thought differently for a for a fellow that was brought up in a in a in an orphanage 
um, the things that he that, that he got up to and the way he thought. Um, first time I ever went to the race, because I went with him, and he bought two programs. He put one in his hip pocket, one in his uh, jacket, and he'd had a couple of bets, and the bookmaker said to him, how are you going today, Paul? He said, I'm going no good. Well, I'm sitting, I'm standing there listening to this. Hey, give us your program. He gave me his program, and he marked it off. Went along a bit further than one of the leading trainers. How are you going, Paul? I'm going no good. And he gave him the other program. We went and sat in the stand, and he compared the trainer's program with the bookmaker's programs. I said, why did you tell him you're going no good when you already had a collect? He said, they try harder to find you a winner if they think you're losing. <laughs> so, so where did, you know, like he came up with this philosophy where he was self-taught, self-educated in a whole range of things in life. It was... Um, it was a great experience uh, being with him. Um, we're on the Galahs tour in in, um, in Ireland, and we're on a double-decker bus, and we pulled up the bus stop, and it's got betting. He's out we get. We go up to this little betting shop, grabs the form guide, and picks seven winners. <laughs> uh, it was just, just, just uncanny. He, uh, he bred horses. He had a, one of the one of the, had a large. Um, uh, on, on stallions and studs, the whole bit, whole bit where he had all the all the magazines and the books, kept just it was it was a great interest for him. And, and his his betting was, it was he was criticised for it. But what he was, he was a small gambler, in in a sense that he'd pick novelties. He would go for the quartets and the trifectas, yep. and uh, he got some amazing results with his with his analytical brain. He just great analyzer. He was telling us things in the 60s, that they still don't do today. You always said uh, he was, was well ahead of his time. It was, it, yeah, he was. Like, don't kick the ball at him. Kick it out in front of him. Let him run onto it. Well, that's kicking the ball to advantage. Yeah. You know, throw the ball out in front. Let him run onto it. Well, that that is not taught today. All they say is you kick it. They don't say kick it to advantage or handball to advantage. It's just, it's just it was, as, as you said, he was ahead of his time. And then I said you... to him one day there uh, about the handball. I said, why did you come up with the handball? He said, I could win the ball. He said, but if I could give it to somebody who was five or ten yards out and they could advance down the ground, that would be, a, instead of my kick, it would be a kick and a half. Yep. Can and he I said, then that? I could get set when the ball came back, if it came back. You know, so just his whole philosophy. Um, I don't believe the Victoria saw the best of him. He played his best football here, and that's according that's going by a couple of his teammates at the time. That when he went to Melbourne, he had to reinvent himself because of his uh, his his knee. He had a, he did a cartilage in, and in those days you didn't come back from cartilages. And at, at a function, uh, Bob Davis, the Geelong coach, said he was the first player to come back and recover from a a cartilage operation. Okay. So there's just a whole range of things that. Uh, very unique when we were, uh, we were playing in the carnival in Adelaide and uh, it's written up in the advertiser that morning, uh, Farmer versus Nichols. And I said, what will happen today, Paul? He said, John will hit me, I'll hit him and then we'll play footy. <laughs> so it was just, yeah. And he went on to win the Simpson, Simpson medal in that game. So it was just, uh, yeah, a wonderful experience as a kid growing up, idolising this man. And then spending, you know, the, the later years of his life um, with him. Yeah, no, it's just, just great. Yeah, look, we're pretty emotional on that topic as well, 
to eight. Uh, your decision then to come to the parade, thank goodness. Um, you know, Carmel Court, where you, the College of Knowledge, where you were the head prefect. You know, you think of the people who boarded there: Michael Taylor, Phil Carmen, you know, the late Jim Till and Glenn Rosser, Greg Turbel, Neil Craig, Danny Jenkins, Neil Button, Ian Stasnowski. We go on and on. You know, like. That'd be a fair AFL side, let alone, you know, and that. Nord was sort of ahead of its time in that regard. Wow. There, too, too and, and Wally and Jim Balderstone side of things uh, there, uh, too, eh? Yeah. Look, I, I think that uh, that set the stage for the future coming out of the, uh, out of the 60s into the 70s. And what I mean by the future is that all those guys were all so humble and the humility that exists amongst them. Um, and that's the big thing about Norwood. Wally Miller was never a self-promoter. And all the, all the Norwood presidents, and to this day, they're not self-promoters. They're sharing, caring people concerned about the people behind the, behind the scenes, like our trainers and our administration people, our volunteers. The Norwood Football Club is, is an amazing... Um, institution, I believe. And if you look at our three our three champions, as in our greatest player ever, Gary McIntosh, um, Michael Taylor and, and uh, Michael Ace, they, they, they've never been self-promoters. And they've promoted this humility and it's just been... Uh, what it's done, it's attracted people, not only from the for administration, but also our sponsors and people that have been around for years and have never got much praise about it, about being sponsors and just the silent givers, like the Cradle family yep. um, and, and the Cooper family have been involved for a century. It's, it's, it's an amazing institution and I was very fortunate to, uh, to uh, stumble onto it and, and make that call to go to Nord. Um, it came about because uh, Damien Nygaard came to West Perth in uh, in sixty at the halfway through sixty nine, and I thought, my here's my way out of here because I wanted to go to Victoria. And at the time, they had the a thing called the Coulter Law. Coulter Law, yeah. And it was, you, uh, they kept uh, Sid Jackson and a couple of players out of football in Victoria for two years. And I thought, what I'll do is if I go to South Australia, I can go into the back door. To the VFL, so I organised to uh, come over there. Bert Balderstein came over, met with him and Ron Kneebone, and then went over uh, at the end of '69 after the season finished here. Um, and there was uh, there was a player swap involved. Uh, Graham Malloy went to from Norwood to Melbourne. Uh, Melbourne cleared a guy by the name of Steve Arnott to West Perth and who was still involved at West Perth today. And Wet Norwood cleared Nygaard to West Perth and West Perth in turn cleared me to Norwood. And, and Norwood uh, would not have won that one too, eh? Well, I, I don't know about that, but anyway, it was uh, it was just a great experience to, uh, to um, be involved in those early years, particularly at Carmel Court. Um, where uh, it was just, that was a, that was an amazing experience. That's that was the club with inside the club, and inside that club developed the team within the team on the ground. I remember uh, Bob Hammond there one day. He uh, he threatened uh, Glenn Rosser. If you don't get a kick today, Glenn, you're out of the team. And uh, we've got halfway down the race, 
And I stopped the boys and I said, fellas, all you Carmel Court guys, today we give the ball to Duck. So at half time we've gone in and Hamo said, you're right, you bastards, you got me. Duck had 25 kicks. <laughs> wow. It was just, uh, so you just, we, yeah, it was just a great, you'd, you'd go out of a night, different places around the town and you'd see one another and everybody looked after one another. It was just a great, great feeling. And I think that that that, uh, that went right through the right through the club and the environment, and I, I think a lot of guys have sort of tuned into it. Um, yeah, Norwood's a very uh, very compassionate. It's not a ruthless club. It's a very very compassionate. Maybe uh, we could have won more premierships, but I think assess what the guys have gone on to do with their lives after after Norwood. I think there's been a lot of successful guys have come out of that environment. And uh, I just uh, I just think back how fortunate I've been. I always love that you see the full picture too, Winnie. Um, Pardon? I always love that you see the full picture and not people just think of exactly as you're saying. A lot of clubs just judge, people just judge any club by a number of premierships and not and don't see the whole picture. Well, it's, they're, they're all trying to win a premiership. They're all going to do it next year, but you need to lay the foundations. And you need you need to recruit just as good as people off the ground as you are on the ground. You need to have standards, and I, I think uh, I think it's a credit to uh, to Jay, the, the current coach. From what I understand and what I've been told, he's managed to tap into uh, the culture and, and cultivate the, the uh, some of the players of past uh, to, to be involved, which is which is good for them, uh, good for the club, and I, I think that uh, that extends the uh, the, the tuition. I think there's a, there's a gap between people from the, the 60s and the 70s of how do you communicate with them today? They're not on they're not on Twitter, they're not on Facebook, but uh, I, I think you can do it on one to one where where the coach can tap into some of the past players of involvement who've got the right sort of who understand the culture, who can help tutor the younger fellows coming through to the club. I think. I think the sandful and the waffle, it's a stepping stone to uh, to the AFL, but there's a lot... I, I think they take the kids too early. Yes. And I'd I, I prefer them... I reckon you've got a better chance if you go later in later in life, not 18 and 19. And I, I think there's... Uh, they cast too much to the wind. They say that they're going to look after these kids, but uh, I, I don't believe it's better like... Keith Thomas. Keith Thomas was a very skillful player. He was drafted by Hawthorne, and he went over there. Hawthorne or Fitzroy? One it's of the two clubs. Fitzroy. 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 And I think his coach at the time was... Uh, it was a well-known... Walls and Parkin. Yeah. Yep. Parkin. Parkin. Yep. I mean, when Keith came back, his skills, they they were off by 50%. And it was it was all more... They they never place the emphasis on, on on the skills like we did in the environment that we created at Norwood. All the Victorian players they're all great marks. They were better marks than what we were, but their kicking and their their skill wasn't as good. I I just think that there's been more development of the game uh, in, out of South Australia because you've had the you know the three three leading coaches who were there for 20 and 30 years between Foss Williams, uh, Jack Odie and Neil Curley. And they all, they all had their own different philosophy. And 
I think when you look at Mark Williams, what Mark Williams has gone on to do with his uh, football career uh, in coaching, and when Mark played, and to where he is now and how he understands the game uh, and the environment that he was out of, I, I think he's modified a lot of his thinking towards the game, which is which is great because he's evolved, which is sometimes you get typecast in an environment and it's hard yeah. to break the mould, but I, I believe he has. Speaking of uh, skills, mate, your first coach was uh, Robert Odie. Um, you know, certainly uh, at, Norwood, yeah. at Norwood, yeah. At Norwood. And um, you know how uh, how was that experience? Uh, Robert um, Robert was a, a good football skills coach. Um, Robert went to school, teachers college, and back to school. He never never mixed commercially. In the, in the world of uh, commerce and had an understanding of that and the people that were involved in it. Um, he, he tended to prejudge people and uh, he, he pre, prejudged me on occasions, but uh, you can't catch me because I don't drink and I don't smoke and I never have. So uh, it was um, it was an unusual, unusual relationship. Um, that's why in the end, after the end of 73, um, I... I I made my my commitment was to go to Norwood for two years or not at all. And after I completed that commitment of three years, uh, Paul was coaching Geelong at the time, and I rang Paul and said, "Look, uh, I wouldn't mind coming over." And uh, that's that's uh, so. Uh, I set set the deal was set. I was going to go, and then uh, what, what, then they uh, they finished up sacking Robert Odie, and uh, I decided to stay. And the rest is history in that regard yeah. too, too. Eh? Um, let's yep. go, let's let's go for a bit of fun. How much? Uh, and it's funny where you said yeah, non-drinker, and I reckon there'd be that many people around who thought thought at the time there'd be around Winnie and think, geez, Winnie smashed, and no, he was just Winnie was just the king, and you just played people on a break. Um, Sam's disco uh, to eight your involvement there. Yeah, I was I was fortunate enough to take over the management of that from Ron Tremaine. Ron Tremaine was an entrepreneurial... He was involved in the uh, Festival of Arts, I believe. And he was appointed uh, manager of the uh, Lion Hotel in the early 70s. And uh, it was, uh, he was involved in the building program and he was, he was busy, so he stepped down from running it. And um, I was fortunate enough they, uh, they appointed me to run it. And I ran it on the same basis that, uh, that, I, that, that I liked... Places that I liked to go in Perth. So... All the places in Perth that uh, had played top band 40 commercial music, they drew the crowds, and that's what we put in. We just put put in uh, the top commercial bands. 5AD at the time were on top playing commercial music. That's what we played. Uh, we had Bob Francis as, as our uh, as our that's DJ, right. and um, we ran it to a standard. Uh, no swearing, wear a tie, behave yourself, or you get thrown out. Yes, and so, we all uh, remember going up had, the uh, back stairs through the kitchen at... Winnie, that was always good fun. Yeah, well, we had our, our crowd controlling engineers were uh, uh, Neil Button, yes. uh, Phil Carmen, um, Hugo Colasanti, uh, Michael Ace. Uh, we had a fire attendant. We had a fire attendant. That was Neil Craig. Right, yeah. So we had all the young guys uh, who were putting themselves through school and who needed the extra extra buckaroos. So it was, um, yeah, it was, uh, and it was good to have them around and in, involved. It was uh, the place to be on a Saturday night for the uh, for the younger kids. If only we could invent a time machine, mate. I'd love to have gone. Oh, Would have been amazing. Memories. So, uh, yeah. So, look, seventy eight. 
And people go on and try and make out there was so much in the whole Jack Odie thing. It was, as usual, you were just the king of bluff. You'd, you'd thought of it prep before the game. There was a chance. Yep. And really, yep. not much happened. No, nothing, nothing, nothing happened. It was, it's like most people can't tell the difference between your ass or your elbow. So it's, um, you know, people just uh, anyway. They people read into what they want to believe. It doesn't matter. There was no, there was no punches thrown from my on my behalf. It was just uh, I didn't have to. And I it was all it. just uh, good day, boys. How are you? And that that was enough to uh, upset a few people. So that's that's fair enough. Sandy Roberts, but, the next uh, Sandy Roberts, the next day on the on the footy show and. John, I've got to ask you about the incident in the coach's box, and can you remember your reply to it? Oh, yes, yes, yes. It was appropriate at the time. <laughs> oh, I still think it's appropriate. Well, you, never miss an jump, you never miss an opportunity to jump into a box. <laughs> yes, as always, you nailed it. And, you know, then your involvement uh, with a uh, fantastic partnership with Barmy, in, uh, especially in 82. Oh, Neil! Neil was Neil's a man's man. He's and a gentleman as well. And uh, I I can't speak highly enough of him. Um, I caught up with him a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's back to playing weight. It's amazing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, I I I wasn't aware I wasn't aware that um, he when I played here he was a sixteen or seventeen year old kid playing a few games for Subi. And uh, he actually rucked. He, he mentioned that he, he rucked against Polly one day. His first game, when, when he was, his league debut. When he when he's a sixteen or seventeen year old kid, and uh, I, I didn't, I, was, I knew he played for Subi, but I didn't know it was in that particular game. But um, yeah, look, it's great. Uh, what happens is as you're coming through the system, everybody is involved in doing what they're doing, and years later you don't realise just uh, how good was this bloke? How good was he? Like. Like Greg Nicholson, Nico would come to training and he'd go home and we'd have to drag, it'd be like pulling teeth to get him to go to a function. Anyway, years later, after all the footy's over, we catch up. And you just think, how good is this bloke? And you start to look around and you think, look at our, uh, our, our history, history group, led by Michael Colligan, um, Roger Woodcock, and, uh, and Shorey. And the guys who are... Who are Win- cultivating? Yeah, Winton and Graham Adams. Yep. All that, so many people that are involved behind the scenes, and and they're just beautiful quality people. Um, it's like some of the trainers when we have a function, Mel Phillips, and his crew. So they're still around, and that's uh, that's the great part about it. A couple of practical jokes. Uh, you, you know, I've never, I've always loved one, in particular, one night. In the in, you know, in the Redlegs Club, and you've seen Ashley Porter in the corner, and you've uh, you let the word around to people, and uh, you've slammed, you know, thrown something on the floor, and you've gone, oh, I've had a gutsful bloody bears, bears, you know, pissing off to Port Adelaide, and you stormed out, walked out the door, and you just walked around the corner, came back in the other room, in the blue room, and there was Ashley Porter walked out about five minutes later, back page of the news on the Monday, button. Button wants to, the bear wants to go to the port, sure enough, for attraction the next day. But I'll give Ashley Porter his due. He took that pretty well. Yeah, well, there's, there's, look, there's a great rapport between some of the blokes. Like, uh, over the years we've had, uh, like, uh, Rochi. Um, there was him, 
Um, a lot of the guys from the, from the West were, were uh, Shieldsy, Alan Chef, Shields. Yep. So they're all, you know, blast from the past. You know, most of the people Mike that Howard. saw us play in the, in, the, in the 70s now have all passed on. You don't realise it's, uh, it's, it's uh, 50 years ago. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. 45, what? 50 years ago. Now, so we had our day in the sun, so that's fine. Pete, uh, so this one day, Winnie's uh, Winnie's gone right. Can you remember what you called us uh, two two eight? Can you remember what you called myself, Jeff yeah. Wilson, and Peter and uh, and Walshy, Bob Walsh? Yeah, you're, you're the elves. <laughs> and Winnie's gone. I'm going to shout you guys lunch. And there used to be the, the John Wynn stand, the little bit on the side, and yep. that, and and over comes Dave Parsons, the kid barman at the time, and he's got this. Silver, you know, plate, and it's all enclosed over the top. And we're thinking, geez, he's got the cloche on. I'd love to know what Winnie's, yeah, Winnie yep. shouted us here. Yeah, he lifts it up, three packets of chicken chips, and three <laughs> cans of coke, <laughs> and it was just, it was vintage, it was vintage two eight. You don't want, to, you don't want to spoil them. <laughs> Not too much, anyway. Now back on one you serious know. one, Wally Miller. Ah, uh, well. There's 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 not much you can't say about him. Um, you know, just a, a beautiful man. He's uh, when you look at uh, when you think you're going rough, you've only got to think about about Wall, and you go through some of his issues that he's had in his life, and uh, and and there he is. He's um, he's still as still as sharp as uh, I call. I, I ring Wall every Thursday. Um, and we just talk talk shit, and it's just a great great rapport, wonderful man. Um, there's nothing the boys wouldn't do for him. I believe he kept the lid on the whole shooting match, um, and he was just just such a great navigator around issues that we had at the club at different times. Um, everybody everybody kept their cool with him. He he kept it was just just. A, a, an unusual, unusual individual um, for him to evolve into what he was at, at, at the football club for that for that period of time, and and to still be active today in in, in what he in, in his life. Um, it's an amazing, amazing story, an amazing individual. That, uh, that yeah, I can't speak highly enough of him. And for people out there who don't really know Winnie, and probably uh, you know. Hopefully, getting to learn, know a little bit more compassion as listening to this side of things. I compared John very much to Ian Chapel as a leader, and that uh, Winnie is the he's the also the leader. He always knows everything what's still going on at the parade. John still knows everything. The care and compassion he has for everyone. Someone falls falls down the crack. One of Winnie's favourite sayings, or there's a player set, whatever. Winnie's even from Perth. He's contacting us. Hey. Blah blah blah. Can you go and do that? And yeah, no, unique leadership in uh, Jonathan Francis. When how did the two? How did you? It become that you have effectively not got known, and you one of the very few people known basically through your number through two eight. Was was there any particular st- thing how that first started? Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's maybe. Well, there's a two eight pet parrot, and the parrot does. I don't know whether the parrot talks too much, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Only you, Winnie. But anyway. Uh, 
going just just going back, uh, mate, to your uh, your career. You know, you um, you captain Norwood in uh, was it seventy five? Captain the Premiership side, yep. Yep, um, and obviously, uh, you know, broke the twenty five year Premiership drought. I mean, that's fantastic for the club. How did you feel? Uh, look, it's looking back on it now. It, it was just uh, it was it was a great experience. Things you don't forget in life. Um, there were just so many people uh, who were emotionally involved on the day that you know, brought tears to their eyes, and it was just just a wonderful uh, it was just a wonderful effort of of all the things that people had put in place. You know, four or five years before that, how it all managed to come to fruition at the right time, and 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 just just having been there, uh, yeah, look, it's um, yeah, those things stay with you. And the people do too, and unfortunately, there's a number of them that have moved on in uh, in life now. But um, yeah, it was uh, just just an emotional time, and I, I think there's a, there's a bond between all those people that um, yeah, you, you you get together. You don't get together as much as you used to, like as in uh, the reunions and that. In the old days, the reunions would go on till two and three in the morning, and now now they're uh, they're home by five or six. But uh, they're all we're all getting a bit tired. But uh, it's yeah, it's a lot of it, it, you have to have been there, I think, at the time to 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 appreciate it. And the same as the young lads that have won the premiership this year. That's an, that was an amazing amazing effort. Oh, that, sensational! Uh, that, that, and they they are so fortunate. They are so fortunate, those lads, that, um, that 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 they're at the right place at the right time, and uh, yeah, that will be with them for for the rest of their life. And they've got to, they've got to hand that that feeling on to the next generation coming through. And the same as the guys who were around when we won the three together, you know, those guys, you you, you finish your footy. You go off, you have your family, and you get involved. But you need to come back. You need to get the right people back to keep the culture going, and that's that's the important thing. That Norwood's got a great culture, got great successful people that they call back into the into the fold. And I believe Neville was there this year. Yes, I was going, uh, helping with I was going to add Neville. Yeah, it was actually interesting yeah. where Ben Jarvis lining up for a goal in the last quarter, and look, he struggled a little bit at various times kicking for goal, and as he's lining up for goal, he's actually. Yeah. I'm wrapped this so far out because this is going to make him do what Neville had been trying to get him to do for three months was kick through it. And he, and he it. absolutely yeah. nailed it. Yeah. And I thought of Neville straight away. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, it's, that's, uh, that's all part of the culture, part of the history of the Norwood Football Club. And it's just wonderful that it, uh, that it all fell into place at the right time. One quick one back you know, like, on a, as far as I'm concerned, the forgotten premiership almost. And because it, it wasn't great game, and probably you, you can comment on it more than anything because of your knowledge of WA footy was the seventy-seven Art of Cup against uh, East mm. Perth, one of the great games. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a. It was a lead up to seventy-eight, and we were laying the laying the, because the following year was our centenary year, and and the effort that the club was putting into it, recruiting people and and and, uh, and building towards the team. Was uh, that was that was where our focus focus was uh, for the '78. The '78 was a was an unusual team because 
half the guys never played the first half of the year. Yeah, it's true. There were a few come come in. Yeah, Philip, yeah. Phyllis Noonan, so, Adamson. Yep. Yeah. So it was, yeah, so it was, yeah. But, um, no, look, it's, what you, you're never writing Norwood off. They uh, always come back. Uh, great people. Um, I, I, Michael, Michael Taylor was unfortunate that he played in the era of Barry Robin and uh, and Russell Ebert because they had they had a mortgage on the medals every year. But but Kingo was up there. He he, he was right up there with all that sort of stuff. Oh, Kingo's um, game and Kingo in eighty. It's it was far school that he didn't win the medal in eighty. And he, and to Russell's yeah. credit, he made point. Uh, one night we're doing oh. a fundraiser with him, and he said, "Hey, biggest pants down job I ever got in my career was the eighty grand final by Kinger." Yeah, Russell was Russell was a beautiful man. Russell loved Russell. No, we got we got on pretty well. Yeah, no, yeah, great things with Russ. Who, who was your toughest opponent uh, during those uh, those halcyon years? Uh, I, I was fortunate enough. I, I didn't have to play on Barry Robert. And I was fortunate enough I never had to play on Russell, so they they were just the standout players in that in that era. Um, you know, trying to compare people in different situations and different eras and different decades, it's it's, hard. it's, uh, it, it's difficult. But all, all you do is you have you have your favourites, and uh, I, I think they those two boys were just uh, ornaments to the game, wonderful people. And they kept doing stuff and you know contributing to the community well after their after they had their, uh, their their career was over. It's um yeah that's they're, they're the sort of people that I people that I I respect and got a lot of time for. Now it's a state game. Uh, is it correct? Is it is it footy folklore or correct? Was a state game? You sitting on the on the pine and took extension cords with you for electric blankets. Uh, you and Malcolm Blight on the bench. Is that correct? No. What happened there was that's when they were promoting that Sustigen and right. Blight himself stood back. We stayed back at half time and gutsed all the Sustigen and the pineapple. I reckon we had a pineapple each and about two tins of that Sustigen. And we went out and sat on the bench with our guts full. <laughs> and uh, they've come down and curly said, Winnie, you're on. I said, no, 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 you go on. Anyway, before, anyway. Blighty finished up going on, and uh, I couldn't, but not go on later on. But uh, yeah, okay. no. But the the heater. No, I had a heater at uh, Football Park. Yes, because they had a PowerPoint there, and it was uh, they used to call it Arctic Park, and uh, in, in the in the little dugout there. So yeah, I had a heater. Heater, right? Little so heater it was close. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. Obviously, uh, your uh, life membership uh, to uh, um, Norwood in 1979, but obviously in um, 2001, you're uh, named in the team of the century and, in, uh, and inducted I, into the Hall of Fame as well. Uh, look, I'm very, very fortunate. Someone out there loves me, but you know, I, I, I don't see it as all that. But, you know, it's, uh, it's yeah, look, it's... Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't go there. All the st- all the stuff all the footy stuff's in a box in the garage. Um, I don't uh, I don't dwell on the past. Hey, but what are you? People. What are you? Let's uh, go. Let's go uh, back to uh, now. We need that's more your cup of tea. Hey, what are you though? West uh, Perth going top as well. 
Yeah, we were very fortunate there. Um, we had a um, we had a, had a function with all the, the used to be known as the Cardinals. Yes. And uh, we had a function for all the uh, past players, all the old Cardinals, the guys who played at Leaderville, and uh, we had a function there. And I, I went as a Cardinal. <laughs> I dressed up at the uh, Cardinals outfit, the hat, the whole lot, and I had the big car. I've never had so many people kiss my ring in one day. <laughs> I actually remember you giving giving us giving me a tour of Leaderville when I was in Perth when you were you were coaching West Perth and you gave us a tour of the ground. Yeah, there's a lot of. Well, I was I was there as a kid when West Perth uh, won a grand final uh, in 1960. 60, yeah, 60. I used to go down there every night, watch them train, catch the bus down. Um, yeah, so as a kid, kid growing up. Didn't finish up playing for them, which is uh, which is very very fortunate. That's... Oh look, we greatly appreciate you know, your time. You're a legend of uh, the Nord Football Club. You're a legend of football more overall. Um, you know, we've obviously got to wait and see now. Uh, talking about the Alzheimer's and uh, Polly with concussion with, with studies, which Keith Thomas is actually involved working in that at the moment as well. Um, you know, with concussion, it's it's um, probably topical. the most serious issue facing sport in general. Uh, we've just got to wait and see with, with what knowledge comes out there more and more. Winnie, but greatly, obviously, just greatly appreciate your time. Obviously, love your time with Nord Footy Club. And, yep, you were my first footy hero. Greatly appreciated too, mate. All right, Malcolm. Thanks for that. Thanks, boys. Thank you, mate. Thank you for... Uh... All right for uh, giving us some insight today. That was absolutely fantastic. All right, gents. Thanks, Dwight. Mate, we've just had John Wynn on, and what a fantastic interview, uh, all the way from Perth, and thank thank him for giving us his time tonight. He's a quality man, John, and look, he really gets it, his care and compassion, and that, you know, you obviously... I hadn't spoken to him before, Pete. Yes. Probably learned a fair bit there about Absolutely. the man. And yeah, look, it's just everything. And there's never anything too hard, too much out of the way. Look, I contacted uh, uh, John to let him know about Ben Jeffries playing his 100th game uh, as the number 28. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he contacted Ben. I'll admit it was probably about quarter past half past 12 that night. We'd played West Adelaide at Richmond. Uh, ben just couldn't believe that John Winner contacted him. and. You know, the thank you, thank you, capital letters uh, through a message through. The other half probably wasn't happy that the, the uh, noise going on at about half past 12, yep. but these things happen. They do. My biggest takeaway was that he was very passionate about the, yeah. the current generation passing on that success and that, uh, that club spirit to the next generation to help them be successful as well. As I've said about, I don't think... There's not that many people who truly, truly get it. My, that, that's my term, and when he does, he sees the whole picture probably as good as anyone. Yep. And as I said, leadership-wise for mine, yep. he's up there with Ian Chapel. Absolutely, and he mentioned obviously Aishi, Maka, Kingo. I think he certainly is in that uh, Mount Rushmore group that we keep talking about. Fantastic. Great man. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Happy Days.
mate, to kick off our happy days today, we've got Will Hamill from the Crows, 22 years of age, uh, recruited from the Dandenong Stingrays uh, under-18 comp, obviously playing at the Crows uh, at the moment. Pick 30 in the 2018 draft. He's He's been good, but he's probably shown a bit of promise. Can he be one of those to take the next step and really go from a reasonable player yep. to a really good key player? I think this year is probably going to be that step that he will take. He certainly showed plenty last year that, that you'd uh, get a little bit excited about as Crows fans. Yeah, no, I think he's got a lot of potential. Mate, this week in... Um in 1990, uh, Yugoslavian tennis star Monica Seles beats Gabriella Sabatini uh, 6-4, 5-7, 3-6, 6-4, 6-2 to win her first of three straight WA championships. But first time that a five-set final in the women's has been played since 1901. There certainly wouldn't have been too many of them either overall. it's Yeah, that's. I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't know that and... Yeah, who it's knows a, what would have been the result in three sets? Correct. Um, obviously, you know the the, the talk about equal pay yes. for equal play. Um, that was why it was probably a little bit of a, a, a subject that jumped out of me a little bit. Yes, uh, no, great, good pick up. Great to see the women play five sets there, and and obviously back in nineteen ninety as well. I mean, athletes are a lot better attuned these days. But you're right, amazing what might have happened in three sets. Yeah, and look, I but I am. I, I, if you're going to say equal pay, surely it's got to be for the same conditions. Mate, moving on. Uh, this week in 2012, Lewis Hamilton wins the 2012 US Formula One Grand Prix. He's been a key, you know, one of the leading drivers for a fair while now. He's been around the mark for sure. And to finish off, mate, happy birthday to David Ortiz. Now, this one's a little bit of a personal one yes, for me. nothing wrong with that, um, I'm a massive Red Sox fan for the baseball. Uh, didn't have a great year this year, but David Ortiz, an all-time legend of the uh, Boston Red Sox. Um, ten times All-Star. <laughs> that's a fair... Yeah, that's, that's quite incredible, isn't it? It is. Uh, World Series in 2004, 2007 and 2013. Uh, MVP in 2013. Uh, obviously born in the Dominican Republic. Uh, what a great get for the for the Red Sox organisation and such a great servant. Uh, ten times ten times All-Star. You think of that, you know, someone, I think Patrick Danchel, I'm trying to think how many All-Australian selections he's got. Selwood's up there as well, yep. Selwood, yeah. Yep. That's the key. It's longevity. Yep. Superstar player for so long. Yep. Uh, certainly put the uh, team on his back a few times there, and boy, oh boy, could he hit the ball. Hit the ball. Um, and, and Fenway's not a small park in comparison to some parks, and yet he'd still clear the fence, especially on the monster wall there. Huge, huge effort. So happy birthday to uh, David Ortiz. Well played. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Extra time. Big finish. Right, mate, to kick off uh, today's extra time, big finish. Um, we held off on this one. We could have probably gone to town on it a little bit earlier, but the sports betting here in, the, uh, in Australia for the AFL umpire. I think we're still learning a little bit more each day or so and probably there's a few things still up in the air on how it's transpired, um, how we got caught. It's 
why. It's it's uh, it is quite bizarre, and we can't say it couldn't happen again because it's happened this time. Correct. Uh, interesting. You know, obviously, certain umpires will know certain votes because you know they're obviously umpiring that particular game. But you'd have to say there'd have to be some talk around the the locker room every now and then about who's had a, a brilliant game. But sometimes they don't match up when we were at Brownlow night. Yeah. You know, guys had 39 possessions and probably done pretty well, and yet he only gets one vote. And I think we did, as soon as he got named, Pell got named, and you did look at the games and, oh, hang on, that one. Yep. Pal Pepper got only got 14 touches, three votes. Yeah, it's, it's left a dirty taste. Definitely. Should the umpires have it taken out of their hands? I mean, they're going from three umpires this year to four umpires, which I think personally is, for me, a mistake. But, you know, then you've got four set certain umpires making calls on Brownlow, Brownlow votes. Oh, look, as an umpire, I've always said it's absolutely ridiculous. There's games you umpire and you came off the ground, and yet there may have been an obvious three votes, and then two votes and one vote. And it, and, it, and it would generally actually come down to the last vote. Yep. Bloody hell, no idea here. Yep. And especially in a real close game. You know, if a game 10 goals up, you chat, and you go, geez, you know, 52's been good, hey, he's kicked four. and You were sort of on top of it a bit. But a close game, yep. bugger that, there were more important things to worry about. Makes it hard, for sure. Yeah. So no, I know, I'm, uh, I don't know who else to do it. Do you? Whether you go to a 200 club, which they do with the Bob Shearman thing here with the 200 game players, but yeah, I'm not real sure either. It would be an interesting watch, for sure. Lawn Bowls, mate. Mate, we sat here last week. Uh, we were almost, again, calling a play-by-play. Um, we we talked a couple of weeks ago about do something, and yes. I'll tell you now, the Adelaide Pioneers, they almost pulled off one of the great wins. Um we, we spoke on Thursday night. They needed to win probably one game out of their three, I think it was, on Friday. They secured two of them, but secured fourth spot. Um, probably knocked off one of the fancied uh, teams in the first round of the finals and then played a, an all-star team in the in the second round of the finals and got both of them. And um, Wow, uh, just watching it. They were so unlucky in some respects to almost pull off the uh, the unthinkable from fourth spot. Now, question to you here, Pete, because you're obviously a lot more knowledgeable with, Ab- with the lawn bowls and that sort of thing. If we had got up, how, what does that mean for bowls back here? Uh, look, Adelaide have finished uh, in five losing grand finals over the course of uh, the lawn bowls Premier League. They've had APL for a couple of years and then they've had BPL, which is basically the same event. They just renamed it, rebranded it. Um, I think for the state here, it would have been something that they could have really promoted and, and, and pushed on. I mean, we know the guys from a lawn bowls point of view. Yep. We know Scotty Tholburn. We know Wayne Rudica. Uh, Caitlin Inch is a New Zealand uh, representative who we've secured through a a trade because one of the other girls went back to her home state of Tasmania, which had a team entered in a couple of years ago or a couple of uh, BPLs ago. Um, uh, The Bowles people know those guys, but it really would have given a little bit more of a push along uh, to that. Um, The the people within the Bowles community absolutely would have been uh, all over it and, uh, and away we go because we've just been a bit unlucky in a few finals, unfortunately. Yeah, so, yep. So we almost almost got there. We yes. almost did something, and we could have hung our hat on yes. hung our hat on that one for sure. Uh, mate, uh, we move on to the soccer, the round ball game, Adelaide United. Yeah, 
3-0 win last week against the traditional rivals in Melbourne victory. Um, now there's a, the, the pause with the World Cup. You know, Craig Goodwin's in the side, in the side, made the squad. Mm-hmm. You know, whether we can win a game in the World Cup and see how we go. But, um, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see what happens in, uh, in that. You know, Adelaide United have set themselves up. They've had a good start of the year. They have. They played the three games away, away from home with, yep. at the start of the season because of the renovations that were done at Highmarsh Stadium. Um, broke really in the scheme of things, probably broke even. Um, yeah. Probably could have got a result on one of them, but uh, didn't quite get there. But their last couple of games have been probably scintillating, really. Yeah, I've definitely got to get a, get along to High Marsh and that. There's been only positive comments around the traps on the redevelopment. The, I think the crowd on memory was thirteen, just over. I think it was thirteen thousand one hundred seventy six, but it was just over thirteen thousand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, good sized crowd. Even though we had the storm on the Saturday, actually Friday night was a cracking night. Yeah. So it was one of those uh, catch twenty twos as to how many people are going to uh, attend, and it seems like they got a pretty pretty much a full crowd. Yeah, I actually went along to the Strikers that night, and they actually had a record crowd there. There were nine hundred and two was their record crowd um, of a Strikers, uh, yep. the girls in, the BPL in the BPL. So yep. yeah. Good night. Uh, fantastic to uh, to see, uh, obviously, the sporting public out and about and, and in, enjoying the facilities that we've got here in SA. Nick, uh, Nick Kay and, and uh, Tanasi Kay. Yes, uh, they won the Australian Open here back in uh, January, uh, pairing up. Uh, they played a bit of, bit of tennis together and had a bit of fun with it and got through to the final and ended up winning it. That in, in, uh, includes them um, being invited to the ATP finals Um uh, match matches overseas this week. They play the f- first-ranked team and it only just went down, which is a fair effort considering that they were playing, I believe, in Mexico a couple of days beforehand and they had a bit of a delay in actually arriving for their match. Okay. So they sort of got there, uh, you know, with, without the ideal preparation and, um, and, and did pretty well. They do play three or four matches within a pool, so we'll keep a bit of an eye, eye on that one over the yep. next. But I just thought it was fantastic that, they, that one, they're getting an opportunity, but two... Um, you know, without the ideal preparation, still quite professional and uh, had a bit of fun with it and got the crowd involved, which can only be yeah. a good thing. Yeah, no, they've been great as a doubles pair. Yeah. Mate, that uh, that brings us to the end of another show. Uh, big, big one tonight. Uh, we thank John Wynn for, uh, or 2-8, uh, for joining us. Um, we covered uh, quite a diverse range of topics once again, mate. Yeah, look, and there's a few couple of people said, oh, Malcolm, you're only getting ignored people and that. Look, Tonight with John Wynn, that was a little bit deliberate in terms of, I thought was was a way about his kit knowing John, and bear in mind that's most people I know mm-hmm. in terms of our got a Nord connection. But it was, I, I really wanted to get it out there to some people to actually learn about John a bit more as a person, and and his care and compassion came through, which I knew it would. And obviously the uh, concussion uh, yeah. protocols, which we've talked about a little bit over the last couple of weeks. And yes, we have had a, a few Nord people on, but you know we're um, endeavouring to uh, secure some some really good guests, which we do have coming up in the next couple of weeks, mate. We'll keep chasing. Fantastic. Uh, as per usual, mate, we promise to do better, and um, and that we will next week. Thanks, Pope. Thanks, mate. In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCast SA. We'll see you next time.
on Game On.